Well, good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing good? Are you excited to be at church today? Anybody excited about Jesus? I think that's probably more important to be excited about Jesus than to be excited about being at church today. But we're glad you're here. And uh, I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. We're excited that you're a part of our church family and you've tuned in today. And we're in a series that we have called The Christmas Option. The Christmas Option, and we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But is anybody excited about Vision Weekend? I know we've had a lot of people A lot of people uh, started to attend the church and get involved since uh, last January when we had Vision Weekend, but it's a weekend we take every year, the first weekend of that year, and we talk about all the things that God did uh, through serving and through your generosity and uh, through our church and through us as individuals. And then we talk about what God's speaking to our church for the upcoming year. And so you'll definitely want to be here on that Sunday, January the 6th. It's going to be an incredible day. So you want to make sure you're here. But uh, I'm going to jump right in so that I can hopefully get you out of here before too much of my time lapses. And uh, we're in this, this series called The Christmas Option that's leading us into our Christmas services next Sunday. And so we're excited for you to be here next Sunday. But in this series, we've been taking a look at the Christmas story from a different perspective. And we've been learning some things from the Christmas story that we really didn't know that we could learn. And as I begin to kind of study this and, and, and read through these different accounts of the Christmas story, a lot of times, I realize a lot of times we do the Christmas story a disservice because we're so familiar with it. So we read it, we read a portion of it, we open presents, we you know, talk about Jesus and the reason for Christmas and that it's Jesus being born, but we miss a lot of the details that I believe God wants to teach us something from and how we can actually relate to this story more than what we think we can. So in week one, we talked about overlooked opportunities and we said that disappointments, we talked about disappointment and how there are opportunities to worship, opportunities to trust, and opportunities to encourage others. And then last week, if you were here, we talked about the blessing of discomfort and how God wants to use your discomfort for his glory and how he has a journey and a place for you. And we've been taking different angle at this, of this Christmas story. And uh, I encourage you, go back. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks or you missed one, go back. We always archive the, uh, the live stream of these services. You can get that on our Facebook page or uh, however you listen to podcasts. If you have a podcast app or you want to download a podcast app, you can just search Impact Church Podcast and find uh, the podcast there, and the messages are always on there every single week where you can listen back to it again, or you can listen to it for the first time if you were not able to be here. And we do have, uh, you can take notes there on the notes pages if you got one when you came in, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can click more and events, and then click on our church, and you can take notes on there. All the notes are on the Bible app, so you can do that as well. Uh, but today I want to talk to you on this subject. This is what I've titled the message for today as we continue our series. It's Interpreting Interruption. Interpreting Interruption. And over the last couple of weeks we have looked at some events leading up to the birth of Jesus. But today I want to talk about the aftermath. Come on, look at your neighbor say aftermath. Aftermath. I want to talk about some events that happened, some things that happened after Jesus was born and how we can relate to it in our lives and we can apply it. Now, i got to get us started off with a question to kind of get us heading in the right direction. Anybody ever experienced something in life that was an interruption? Can you raise your hand? Now, everybody look around the room and notice that you are not the only person who ever experiences an interruption. Uh, most of us, we probably experience interruptions multiple times a day, right? You ever been interrupted at work? You're in the zone, 
you got it going on, you're doing that project, you're typing on the computer, you're writing something, you're, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you get interrupted. You get interrupted. Or maybe you've been interrupted by a phone call, and you were in the middle of something, and the phone rang, and you didn't answer it because you were in the middle of something, and then it rang again, and you didn't answer it because you were in the middle of something, and then you begin to think, I wonder if this is an emergency, and they rang a third time within like three minutes, and so you answered the phone, and they're wanting to know what we're having for dinner tomorrow night, and you're thinking, really? <laughs> really? Like, you had to call me three times in three minutes for that, you know, and, and we get frustrated about being interrupted in life, or maybe you've been interrupted in your life by a tragedy at some point. I remember being interrupted at school uh, back on September 11, 2001. If, uh, most of us can remember where we were on that day, and I was in high school on that day. I, can't, I think I was a sophomore or a junior, and uh, I remember from that day forward, nobody did anything else all day long. There were kids leaving school. The TVs were on in every classroom. We were all watching the footage. You know, parents were calling the school and, and asking if their kids could leave and drive home and all these things. It just completely interrupted our day. And for a lot of people, it interrupted their lives forever. You know, and I can still remember that. I also remember being interrupted one time uh, when I was in the eighth grade. And we were in a computer class, and one of my good friends was a grade younger than me. And I remember being interrupted as one of the, the principals came down and, and pulled him out of the class. And then we later found out a few minutes later that his, his dad had passed away unexpectedly in a surgery that was supposed to be a routine surgery, no big deal. And uh, they had to break the news to him and to everybody in the class that uh, his dad had passed away. And so that interrupted um, our schedules and it interrupted our day, interrupted our emotions, um, as so many times it does. And then I also remember... Uh, interrupting church myself about 12 years ago, a little over 12 years ago, to propose to my wife. Uh, she didn't know that she didn't know that I was going to be there. She didn't know that I was coming. I was supposed to have been working that day, and we were just uh, volunteering at a church. and And uh, I showed up unexpected and uh, had it all set up with different people in the church to do different things to get her in the right place at the right time, so that I could then walk in and you know be the hero of the story, right? And, uh, and, and propose. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is that in life, there's always interruption. We tend to categorize interruption one of two ways. There's good interruption and there's bad interruption. There's somebody, somebody close to me passing away, and we consider that bad interruption. On the other hand, if, if somebody interrupts something to propose to you, hopefully you consider that a good interruption. If not, then you might need to talk to that person. But... We categorize interruption normally, well, this was a bad interruption, and that was a good interruption. And we do that in our lives all the time because we're always facing interruption. But what I want to help us understand today is that no matter what interruptions you experience in life, you get to choose how you interpret them. You get to choose how you interpret in your mind and in your heart and in your life when interruption comes. How am I going to interpret this interruption? And there are three sets of characters that I want us to look at today and see how they responded to interruption. And so we're going to talk about each one of these uh, sets of characters as our points today. So three different characters, three different points. And I want to try to teach us something and hopefully give us a different perspective today. So here's point number one as it relates to interruptions in our lives. It's this. Ministry happens outside of our routine. We could say it this way. Jesus does things outside of our routine. Jesus wants to use you 
outside of your routine. And I want to read uh, in Luke chapter 2, we're going to read about 12 verses and talk about it for just a moment. But it says this, it says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. It was night and they were looking after their sheep. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. It is for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Here is how you will know I am telling you the truth. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a large group of angels from heaven also appeared. They were praising God. They said, may glory be given to God in the highest heaven and may peace be given to those he is pleased with on earth. The angels left and went into heaven. Then the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. The baby was lying in the manger. After the shepherds had seen him, they told everyone. They reported what the angel had said about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary kept all these things like a secret treasure in her heart. She thought about them over and over. The shepherds returned. They gave glory and praise to God. Everything they had seen and heard was just as they had been told. Now I want us to talk about the shepherds for just a moment. Because the shepherds had a job, right? You ever had a responsibility? You had a job? Maybe it was a job where you did the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, right? The shepherds had one job. Watch the sheep. <laughs> what? Well, what are you going to do today, honey? Well, I'm going to watch some sheep. Oh, welcome home from work today, babe. What, 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 what happened today? I watched some sheep. <laughs> right? Well, what happened? Well, I was watching some sheep, and I took my rod, and I started, you know, twirling it, and I was doing this little entertainment thing for the sheep because I was bored because all I do is watch the sheep. <laughs> they had a job to do, and it was to watch the sheep. People were depending on them to watch the sheep. Their livelihood was based on them watching the sheep. They had a job to do, and it was to watch the sheep. Watch the sheep. But when the angels interrupted their routine... And they had this news, good news, you know, Jesus has been born, Savior of the world has been born. I'm interrupting your routine and the thing that you're used to doing and the thing that you're comfortable with doing and in your comfort zone in this moment. And what's interesting to me is that when the angels interrupted their routine, the shepherds decided that it was worth it to go find Jesus. So they left everything that they were doing in the moment, left all their stuff there, and said, you know what, we need to go find who the angels are talking about. Because this is a big deal. So they left what they were doing. Now, does anybody have any routines in life? Anybody ever get mad at somebody when they mess up your routine? Anybody have a morning routine? My wife would tell you that I have a morning routine. I do the same thing systematically every single morning. It's just, it's routine. It's just routine. Some of us, we have a routine in our job, and we do the same thing day in and day out and day in and day out. What would you do? Well, I ran that machine again. Well, I ran that machine again. Well, I ran that machine again. And that's just what we do. That's, that's, that's our career. That's what we've chosen to do, or that's what is paying the bills, you know. And so we have a routine that we're in. Some of us have a nightly routine. You know, you get up off the couch at this time. You go brush your teeth. You do all this stuff. You know, maybe you take a shower at night, and, and then you get in bed, and you might read or whatever. And for most of us, even if you don't think you have a routine, if you were to record yourself for about three days straight, you would discover, I have a routine. There are some things that I do routinely, and we tend to get upset when our routine gets interrupted so if I'm getting ready in the morning 
and one of the kids comes running in and needs me to do something, it throws me off. Right? You wake up late. You're used to getting up at a certain time, and you sleep through the alarm, and you wake up late. If I wake up late, I'm, I'm tense all day long. All day long. Right? I'm going to bed tense, you know, and that's been 13 hours ago that I woke up late. But you wake up, and you're already supposed to be there, and it's like, oh, you know. And you freak out, and you're trying to hurry, and you're already late for work, and you're trying to text somebody to let them know you're going to be gone, and, or you're going to be late. And it throws me off all day long because we like routine. But ministry happens outside of our routine. Jesus will interrupt your regular routine a lot of times to do something for his purpose. And my question to you today is, are you interruptible? Are you interruptible? Do you allow God to interrupt your daily schedule and the things that you had planned out, the things that you wanted to do, the things that, that you were going to do with your family, or you were going to do with your kids, or you were going to do at work, or, or on your day off you were going to do this? Do you allow God to have permission to interrupt your regular routine so that somebody could be reached for Jesus? Or so that somebody be, could be encouraged that's any encouragement in that moment? And for the shepherds, I even think it might have seemed irresponsible for them to leave what they were supposed to be doing for what God wanted them to do, for what the angel announced for them to do. Hey, you need to, man, Jesus has been born. You need to go see him, you know. This is how you'll know where he's at, and you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. And, and they left and went, but it might have seemed irresponsible. They might have even looked at each other, and there might have been that one person. You know, there's always that one person, right? There might have been that one person that's like, I'm not leaving. Mm-mm. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like, but when God tells you to do something, it's more important to obey than to be so worried about your routine and what you think you're supposed to do. Come on, there are a lot of things in your life that you think you're supposed to do, and you won't allow God to interrupt your routine to do what he wants to do. I'm talking to all of us today because we all have routines, and we do not like interruption. And I wonder how many of us here have missed out on opportunities that God is trying to bring our way because we can't be bothered to be interrupted. I wonder how many inter- I wonder how many opportunities you have missed out on that God wanted to do in your life and through your life because you would not allow interruption. So when that person called you and you were you were in the middle of something that you felt like was important or what you wanted to do and you didn't you didn't answer the call what opportunity might you have missed that God was trying to do through you? I think about, uh, for those of us that have kids, you know, when your kids interrupt you, a lot of times it frustrates you, right? Especially if you're watching the football game. And your kids and your kids come in and they need to talk right now and they need help, they need batteries in this right now, you know? Gotta, can't find this toy, can't find this animal, can't find this blanket or whatever. And it's like, really? Right now? In the middle of this? You need to interrupt me for what you want to do, right? But here's what I find interesting when I think about this in my own life, and I think you will too. If we were to go around the room and ask everybody, which is more important to you? The people that you love or the thing that you're doing? Most of us would say it's the people that we love. And I care more about the people that I love more than I care about the things that I like to do or want to do or whatever. I care more about them. But we don't act that way. So when we get interrupted by the thing that we said we loved, we get mad because we can't do what we wanted to do. And in our spiritual lives, when God tries to interrupt our regularly scheduled programming, 
for something that he wants to do and for his purpose, a lot of times we get frustrated or we get mad or we say, well, I'll do that tomorrow. You know, I'll call him tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. Well, how many of you know that sometimes when God's trying to get you to do something right now, there's a reason why because I've been working on that person's heart and they're going to be receptive of what you have to say right now. And I need you to just step away from your desk for three minutes and walk over to their desk and just give them encouragement or ask if you can pray for them or whatever it is or spend some time with your kids instead of watching TV. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do something through your life, but you won't allow me to interrupt what you want. And I think we're missing out on a lot of things in our lives that God wants to do because we won't allow him to interrupt if he wants to interrupt. We have it all planned out. And I think about these shepherds, and I don't know if you remember what peer, what peer pressure was like when you were in school, but um, one of the things I thought about was, you know, those occasions where uh, your friends, you know, maybe a couple of them get this idea and it's like, hey, let's skip school, you know, after third hour we're going to leave, we'll come back at lunch and nobody will ever know that we're gone and we're going to skip school. And what do we do most of the time? They're, they're devising this plan and most of us are looking around like, are you going to go? Are you going to go? Like, what's everybody else doing? <laughs> what, are you going to go there? Because we feel like, well, if we all go do it, then we're a little more safe because there's a group of us doing it rather than me just deciding, well, I'm going to go do it. And I think, I wonder sometimes, you know, the, the Bible records that the shepherds, you know, that they left everything and they went. But I wonder if there was a moment where the shepherds were looking around like, you going to go? <laughs> you going you gonna to follow that star? You going you gonna to look for that baby? You gonna, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, right? It's like you're sitting in the car. It's like, where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. What are you going to do? You going to go? Ah, it doesn't matter to me. You going to go? I, I don't know. You know, and and it's almost like they were trying to figure out, like, okay, if we all go, then maybe it doesn't seem as irresponsible for us to leave what we think we're supposed to be doing in our routine to go find Jesus. And so I wonder sometimes. I kind of dig into the Bible a little bit and think, you know, what if I was in that situation? What would it have been like for me, right? But they left everything that they were doing to go find Jesus. We can say it this way, that when the shepherds correctly interpreted and responded to what seemed like an interruption, that's when they met Jesus. What seemed like an interruption to their routine, whenever they interpreted it the right way and obeyed, that's when they met Jesus. Some of us are missing out on things that Jesus wants to do or that God wants to do in our lives because we won't allow him to interrupt what we have planned out for our lives. I want to marry that person. And God says, will you allow me to interrupt your list that you have made and bring the right person into your life that, that I have meant all along for you to be with? See, we, we make all these plans, but we got to allow God to interrupt our plans if he sees fit to interrupt it. Because these shepherds were willing to drop what they were doing, they became a part of history that day. And there's going to be times in life where God sends us opportunity and it's going to come in the form of interruption. And some of us are praying, well, God, just give me an opportunity. Give me, you know, show me something. Give me something. And God's sending you opportunity, but it looks like interruption to you, and so you're not seizing it. And we need to learn how to interpret interruption in our lives. And if God is, is first in our lives, we'll be willing to drop our routine in the moment to accomplish what he wants for us to accomplish his greater purpose. So we know that ministry happens outside of our routine. I want to look at another set of characters and uh, talk about this point. It says God is available 
to all who seek him. God is available to all who seek him. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. This happened while Herod was king of Judea. After Jesus' birth, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the child who has been born to be king of the Jews? When we were in the east, we saw his star. Now we have come to worship him. Now maybe you've, I want to talk about this for a minute because we're talking about the wise men. And we read the Christmas story, and we talk about the wise men, and we have our kids getting, are in Christmas plays, and like there's the three three wise men, there's the shepherds, and then somebody's a sheep, and somebody's a goat, and you know somebody's Mary and Joseph, and baby Jesus is this you know little doll, and 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 we do it a disservice a lot of times. But let me tell you about the wise men. See, the wise men were actually Persian astrologers, so they they studied the stars, and they were about as far from Jewish religion as you could get. It's like in today's term, these were not the people that went to church, that believed in Jesus, that were following Jesus, trying to live right, or even went to church periodically. Like they didn't go to church at all. They didn't know about Jesus. But isn't it interesting that, that God would take the birth of Jesus and he would put a star in the sky that would intrigue some astrologers to then think, this is worth me finding out why this star is here to lead them, people that didn't know anything about Jesus, to lead them to Jesus. See, we read it and we're like, oh, the star, and you know, and we put stars on our Christmas trees. Isn't it interesting? God did not have to do that. But he put the star above where Jesus was born so that some men who studied the stars would see a star and think, we need to figure out what that's all about and start asking questions and start making a long journey and start trying to figure out how they can get there so that also God could lead them to Jesus. So that God could lead them to Jesus. Now, let's imagine for just a moment, just to put this in perspective, let's imagine that a fortune teller in full costume, was to walk into church today. All right? Now, hopefully, I don't know how you would feel about that and, and, and what conversations we had. Hopefully, we would welcome that person into church. But most of us would agree that that would not be the norm. Why would that not be the norm? It's a completely different belief system. It's a, and I don't have time to get into all that right now, but it's a completely different belief system. Completely different. But what if, what if, this was a person that was far from God that was coming in that was just trying to check out and find out about this Jesus thing. And so they, they, they pop, because they've heard. You know, I heard about this church. I heard about Jesus. I heard the wise men there. You got to imagine on, on, the, on the journey, they're asking, they're stopping at, you know, they're stopping at the gas station, you know, fill up their camel. And they're stopping at the gas station, and they're asking, you like, you heard about this, you know? We saw this star, and we heard about it, and they're getting a little bit more information. And then somebody tells them, oh, yeah, this was, you know, there was a prophet that was here, and, and he was telling about how this was going to happen and all this. And so they're gathering all this information along the way while they're on their way to meet Jesus when they really don't know exactly what they're on their way to do. What if somebody walked in that was far from God that really didn't believe the way that you believe or the way that I believe or really didn't know if they wanted anything to do with this Jesus thing? And so they come into church. How, how, would, how would they be received? But isn't it interesting? I wonder, I wonder how many of us in the room today have shown up to church today or shown up to church in the past because you heard something. Because you heard something. Hmm. I'm going to go check that out. I wonder what that's all about. 
saw something, heard something. This is what this is what happened to the wise men. They saw something. They began to hear stories, and they began to hear people talking about how this was, you know, foretold that this was going to happen. And so along the way, they're they're trying to figure out, oh man, we're following the star, and we don't really know what we're doing, and and we don't really know, like, I don't really know what the belief system is, and all this stuff. But we're just trying to find this baby that is supposedly like supposed to be a new king, and. And some people are saying he's the Messiah and he's going to save, you know, the world and all this stuff. And so they're on this journey to find Jesus. It's not the believers. And it's this idea that God makes himself available to anyone who seeks him. And he'll even go to the length to chase you down, to put a star in the sky to appeal to what you know so that he can lead you to Jesus. He'll find you wherever you're at and appeal to whatever he needs to appeal to in your life so that he can lead you to Jesus because he's available to anybody, to all people who seek him. I love this verse in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, when you look for me with all your heart, you will find me. When you look, this is what God says. If you're here today, if you are looking for God, you will find him. If you look, he, he, it's a promise. You will find me when you look for me with all your heart. And we see this acted out in the Christmas story that God makes himself available to everyone who seeks him. Everyone who seeks him. And this is the good news for somebody today that it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how bad you think your sin is. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter how you were raised. None of that matters. If you look for God today, you'll find him. If you look for God, if you seek God, you'll find him. You'll find him. And here's the third thing and the third group of, of people that I want to talk about today. And this point's kind of long, but I couldn't think of any other way to word it, honestly. It's that threats to our position are actually opportunities for legacy. Threats to our position are actually opportunities for legacy. Let's, let's continue the story in Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says, When King Herod heard about it, he was very upset. Everyone in Jerusalem was troubled too. So Herod called together all the chief priests of the people, he also called the teachers of the law. He asked them where the Christ was going to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied. This is what the prophet has written. He said, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are certainly not the least important among the towns of Judah. A ruler will come out of you. He will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for the wise men secretly. He found out from them exactly what the, when the star had appeared. Anybody ever had a secret meeting? Nothing ever good is coming from a secret meeting. <laughs> You know, secret meeting over here, you know. He gets them together secretly. You know, I just want to just, just talk to you for just a second, guys. I know you saw this star. I just want to find out some details. So he gets them together, trying to find out when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. He said, and this is what he tells the wise men, Go, make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, bring me a report. Then I can go and worship him too. After the wise men had listened to the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen when they were in the east went ahead of them. It finally stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. The wise men went to the house. There they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened 
their treasures. They gave him gold, incense, and myrrh. But God warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they returned to their country on a different road. Have you ever felt threatened? Not threatened maybe physically or threatened by somebody, but threatened in your position. Maybe your position at work. Maybe your position as a parent. Your kids start, you know, opening up to other people when you think they ought to be opening up to you. Or you've been, <laughs> you've been working at the same place for the last seven years and you feel like you, get the, you need the promotion. And they hire somebody else that doesn't really know anything about it. And they get the promotion and they come in and they're making more money than you. And so you feel, position, you feel like your position is threatened. You feel like your livelihood is threatened or maybe they hire somebody in and you begin to feel threatened because it seems like they're really good at the things that they're doing. And, and you're beginning to wonder, well, I've been here for 10 years, but I bet they're paying them more than they're paying me, even though I've been here for 10 years. I bet they're paying them more money and they're doing less work than me. And, and, and we feel like we're, our position is threatened. And Herod even goes as far to, if you go on and you read the story, he figures out, you know, kind of the age of what Jesus would have been during that time. And he says, you know what? He sends out all these people and he says, go kill every two-year-old boy and younger. And his hope was that in killing all of them, we'll kill Jesus. May not know what he looks like, but just go out and kill everybody two years old and younger. That's a boy. Just go kill them all. Go kill them all. And hopefully, we'll kill Jesus. Now, you may not have gotten frustrated to the point that you just signed up to kill somebody. But here's what we do a lot of times. See, when we feel threatened in our position, we turn to gossip. And so we start, we start getting you know, our people together that we work with, and we start talking about that party. Can you believe that they hired them. Like, I put in for that position. They hired somebody don't even know what they're doing. Hadn't even worked here, moved here from three hours away. Don't even, they're probably making more money than me, even though I've been faithful. I've been working here. I've been doing this, and we, and we turn to gossip. Here's another thing that we turn to is when I feel, when I feel threatened in my position because, because I've encountered you or if it's at work or if it's as a parent or whatever, what I tend to do is I start picking out everything I don't like about you to make myself look better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick out, you know, because I'm feeling threatened by you. My position is feeling threatened by you. So, well, they don't even get, to, they don't even get here on time. <laughs> they don't even get here on time. Well, they don't even abide by the dress code. Look at that. Look at the shoes they're wearing. Somebody needs to talk to them. You know, I don't know what they're paying them, but they shouldn't have hired them because they're not following the rules. We start picking out. All the little things, <laughs> I start picking out everything in you to try to make myself feel better and myself look better because I'm feeling threatened in my position. But I want to I I introduce us to something different today. Because what if when you felt threatened in your position, what if, what if we decided that we were going to interpret that in a healthy way? What if when you started feeling insecure, because that's really what it is, it's insecurity, Am I good enough? Are they better than me? Why did they bring them in when I'm doing that job? It's all, it's all insecurity and we get frustrated about it. But what if we decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interpret this and these feelings of being threatened in a healthy way. In a healthy way. See, Herod didn't handle it in a healthy way. And sometimes when we feel threatened, we have a tendency <laughs> to do the same things. The same things. But what if, just, just throwing it out there, what if instead of responding the way he did, what if Herod had embraced this change that was coming, and what if he had leaned into it? What if he had, what if he had said, oh, man, this is the Savior of the world. You know, I'm going to support this. I'm going to get behind this. What if he had done that instead of what he 
did. He could have he could have also been a part of the legacy of Jesus' story, but because of what he did, we view him as the villain. So we view it and we're like, oh, here are the shepherds and here are the wise men coming to worship Jesus. They're finding Jesus. They're obeying. They're being faithful. Oh, and there's Herod. He was trying to kill Jesus. He was insecure. He was the king, and they were talking about another king, and so he wanted to make sure that, that king didn't take over for him as king as he grew up and didn't want the people to start looking to him instead of himself. And so he handled it that way, and we view him as the villain. But I want to I help us with something today. And they're going to put this on the screen, and you may need to write this down. Uh, it's that God is more concerned with who you are than the position you hold. God is more concerned about who I am than me being a pastor. <laughs> God is more concerned about who you are than the position you hold. And see, some of us, we have, we have more finances, but God's not concerned about what you have. God's concerned about your heart. Some of us are concerned and we're finding our identity in what we do and the position that we hold and the power that we have and the influence that we have. But my question would be, are you using the power and the influence and the resources and all the stuff that God has blessed you with for his purpose? For his pur because God is more concerned with who you are than the position you hold. And I would even say this, I don't, I don't even think that God keeps a record of the position that you have. <laughs> when God looks at you, he says, wow, look at what they did. They obeyed. They were faithful. They allowed me to interrupt what they were doing for my purpose. They allowed me to change their plans that they had planned out. Well, I want to marry that person. Well, what about if I bring the person that you're supposed to marry instead of you picking out who you think looks good or who you think fits with you? or who you, what, what about if you let me interrupt your plan for my ultimate plan? What if Herod had responded differently? We wouldn't see him as the villain he would be the king that submitted to the king of all, the king of kings. And he probably would have grown in influence and he probably would have, God could have used him to do incredible things. But because of, of his decision and how he interpreted an interruption, what seemed like an interruption to him, we view it completely different. We view it completely different. God is more concerned with our heart and our ability to love and give to others. What if we decided that instead of feeling threatened by someone else's accomplishments, that we were going to become a part of their accomplishments? Whew. I'm going to preach it to the back wall for a minute. What if instead of feeling threatened by your accomplishment, I decided that I want to be a part of what God's doing through you? I want to be a part of your accomplishment. I want to support what God's doing through you. What if instead of feeling threatened and trying to compete with you, what if we joined forces and we were trying to make each other look good? <laughs> when was the last time that you weren't so concerned about your success, but you were, you were more concerned about the success of other people around you? See, I was listening to this podcast this last week, a leadership podcast, and uh, they were talking about Pete Carroll, and I don't know if you know who that is, but he's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks and used to be the head coach for the, the University of Southern California. Very well known. And they asked him, they said, well, what is success like? And he said, well, I've had a lot of success in my life, and I've done a lot of things, but I've never felt more fulfilled than when I've helped other people succeed. And in coaching, I get to help other people succeed. I get to help you be your best, and I get to help you work as a team, and I get to help you accomplish what your goals are. And he said, I get more fulfillment out of that than anything that I accomplished on my own and any success that I could have ever gotten. 
when was the last time? See, we're wired this way, and we don't get it a lot of times, and a lot of us are frustrated and we're not living the life that God intended for us to live because we're more concerned about our own success instead of making other people successful around us. And God's more concerned about your heart and about you making other people more successful and about you pouring your life into other people and about giving away the things that he's given you to be a blessing to other people. See, God wants to use people to bless you and wants to use you to bless people. And we're more, we're more concerned about how successful we are and what we're going to do and making our plans and how am I going to get this done and than we are about the success of other people. But we're wired, God wired us to find the most fulfillment whenever we help other people succeed. So what if we decided, instead of feeling threatened about someone else's accomplishments, I'm going to be a part of theirs. I'm going to be a part of their accomplishments. We could say it this way, that when we join someone else's story, we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, and that is legacy. Legacy is when you are a part of something that's bigger than you. And when you make the decision, I'm going to be a part of somebody else's success and their story, then that leaves a legacy. That leaves a legacy, not, not how much more can I get and how much more can I do and how much more successful can I be and I'm trying to get the promotion and I'm trying to get to the top and I want to be CEO and all this. And God says, if you would stop, if you would stop worrying about making yourself rise to the top and what you can do to get yourself successful and you would worry about the success of others and open your eyes to see what I'm trying to do through your life, then I can make you successful. But as long as you're doing it your way, you'll always be striving and you'll never be in the zone. You'll always be striving for more, striving for more, striving for more. Got to work harder, got to do more. And God says, if you'll just do it my way, if you'll focus on the people around you and you'll, 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 you'll invest your life in helping other people around you be successful, you'll be more successful. And you'll be more fulfilled and you'll experience the life to the fullest that I've promised you. But it doesn't come by you striving to make yourself better and better and better and better and better and better. Because that's selfishness. And God's more concerned about your heart than your position. This is a big reason, I don't know if you do this or not, but this is a big reason why we don't try to reinvent the wheel a lot as a church. If there's a need, find the organization that's trying to meet that need and be a part of their success story. How can we help you financially? How can we help you by serving? How can we help you, you know, instead of, instead of trying to, to, to create our own food pantry, what if we just supported the food pantry that's here and we served there and we, we, we funded them and we helped them accomplish what God has put them here to do? And instead of trying to create a place for, for people that don't have a place to live, what if, we just, what if we just got behind the New Hope Center and said, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fund you and we're going to support you and we're going to do this for you and the Pregnancy Center, all these organizations that are already doing things for the kingdom. And instead of trying to create our own thing, what if we're a part of their success story? And as a church, there will be more fulfillment in seeing them succeed and we were able to come alongside them and help them succeed in something than there will ever be with us creating 37 programs that are trying to do the same thing that somebody else is already trying to do and now we're competing with them instead of joining forces to do what God has called them to do. What if we were more concerned about other people's accomplishments and being a part of their accomplishments instead of feeling threatened? Oh, they're doing that now. Woo! We, don't they know that we've been doing that? And now they're doing that. Oh. They're doing that. Just feel threatened. It's insecurity. And God is not, God's not concerned about our position. God's concerned about our heart. God's concerned about who we are. I want to bring the worship team back up. And 
if there's one thing I want you to get today, and I think that could be a game changer in your life, if you didn't hear anything else or you don't remember anything else, I, I, I hope you'll remember this one statement and that you'll take it to heart because this can change everything in your life. What if, what if we made our lives about God getting the glory instead of me getting the glory? What if every decision that you made was about God getting the glory and not you getting the glory? How would you live your life? How would you live? If, if you wake up every day and say, you know what, everything today, when I go to work, this is about God getting the glory. It's not about me being successful. It's about God getting the glory. How would you work? If your marriage was about God getting the glory and not you getting the glory or you getting the recognition, come on, we do this sometimes. Like, did you notice that I did the dishes? Did you notice? Did you notice that I mowed the yard? Did you notice? Like, did you? Can I get some recognition? Can I get some appreciation? And there's nothing wrong with recognizing those things and appreciating those things. You need to be appreciating those things in your spouse and what they do. But what if it was about God getting the glory and not about you getting the glory? I think we would all be living completely different lives. <laughs> and we would be experiencing life the way that Jesus intended when, whenever all of our decisions are based around, you know what? If This may feel like an interruption, but what if this is about God getting the glory? This may go against, you know, we were planning to go to do this, and we were, you know, we were going to go to Sherman, and we were going to go shopping, and we were going to do this, but we got interrupted by something. What if instead of that, what if you interpreted it as this might be an opportunity for God to get the glory? And maybe God had a different plan for today. And I made my plans, but maybe God had something that he needed me to do today so that he could get the glory, so that somebody could be encouraged, so that somebody could know him, so that somebody could be uplifted. If we just made it all about God getting glory and not us getting glory, will you stand to your feet? See, interruptions to our routines are uncomfortable and they don't feel good in the moment. But just like we're discovering in the Christmas story, in these three sets of people who are part of the story, two of them were allies and one of them was an enemy. And what's interesting to me is ultimately the enemy, who was a king, was a king, died relatively unknown but isn't it interesting how in 2018 on December 16th we're still talking about some shepherds and some wise men <laughs> we're talking about some people that didn't even know anything about Jesus and we're talking about some shepherds who had one of the most boring jobs probably on planet earth watch some sheep but we're not talking about but we're not talking about what a king did And he dies relatively unknown, but these shepherds and these wise men are a part of the legacy and a part of the importance and a part of a story that we read every single year and that we focus on every single year and that we talk about every single year. Interruptions in life might be opportunities for God to do something great through your life if you learn to interpret them the right way. And I pray that we would be people that would learn to view interruption and interpret interruption and ask ourselves the question, is this something that God is wanting to do through me? Am I trying to make my plans and, and God has something else for me? Am I a person that is interruptible? 
if God decides to interrupt you on a Monday morning on your drive to work and instead of you rocking out to whatever music you rock out to, God says, you know, we just put on a worship song for a moment and just get your mind right. Are you interruptible? If you're driving down the road and, and you're already five minutes late to whatever you had planned to do and you see somebody sitting over there and God puts it on your heart to stop and talk to them and maybe buy them something, are you interruptible? Are you interruptible? Or are you focused on what you want? Well, I'm already late to where I was going, you know. I already made my plan. If they're there on the way back, I'll stop. What if it's that moment? What if God's trying to use that moment? Are you allowing him to interrupt your regular routine so that he can accomplish what he's trying to accomplish? So that he can do what he's trying to do? God, I thank you today for every person that's here. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. Lord, we thank you for your word, what you're speaking to our hearts, what you're doing in our church and doing in our lives. And God, I pray that you would make us people that are interruptible. If there's something that you want to do, God, that we would put you first. Not our plan, not our success, not our position, but God, whatever you want to do. We want you to get the glory, not us to get the glory. As a church, we want you to get the glory, not us to get the glory. When we go to work on Monday, we want you to get the glory, not us to get the glory. God, that we would live our lives for you and not for ourselves. And that our ears would be open and that our eyes would be open to what might seem like an interruption to us, but might be exactly what your purpose is in that moment. And God, as we, as we sing this last song, I pray that if there's anybody here who needs prayer, Lord, that they would drop their pride or however they're feeling, God, and, and realize that we all need prayer from time to time, but that you would draw them for prayer. Lord, as we begin to sing this last song, as the worship team begins to sing, Lord, that they would step out of their seat and they would come for prayer, come for encouragement. Holy Spirit, draw every person today who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.